The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Let's get them out of their seats and into the ring. You gotta be kidding me! Now don't do this! This is the Finishing Move Podcast with Nick Cellini, Big John, and Adam Gillespie. We've got recaps, the latest storylines, and the biggest moments from the week. Now it's the Finishing Move from the Fans Podcast Park. All right, welcome to another edition of the Finishing Move, the uh, WrestleMania and This Week in Wrestling History edition, taping a little bit earlier in the week. So taping before AEW is going to air this uh, upcoming Wednesday, April the 15th. We are a podcast, Big John of Honesty, and Adam Gillespie not here. He is, uh, I think he's at Harris Cherokee Casino, was he not? So he was up there last week. Did he lose a bet? And <laughs> well, now I don't know. Joey the Bull has gotten a hold of him. We come from an area, we come from an area where a guy yeah. named Joey the Bull, Tommy the Shark, might really be looking for him. Yeah, listen, Gillespie, we can do this the easy way or do this the hard way. You want to dance with the band, you got to pay the man. Maybe. Or maybe he's got a secret family there. Either way, <laughs> it's, it's just the two of us. And uh, let's start by talking about the uh, two-night affair, if you will, that was WrestleMania 37. Your thoughts on spreading this thing out over two nights. Yeah, it doesn't need to be. And I get it. Like, that's the beauty of the WWE has is that you have so much amazing talent that you can spread it out. But the thing is, if you're not using the talent properly, if you're not putting together quality matches, which longtime listeners, you guys know, we've talked about this, where building to WrestleMania, if it's not done properly, it's kind of a waste of time. So the putting it over two days, it's great because now you don't have to spend 10 hours in front of the TV, but also in the same same vein. If you're not putting together quality matches, you know what? You can scale this down because your next the way WWE does pay-per-views now, there's one in like three weeks anyway. You can put some of those people onto the next one. But this is the show of shows. This is the big show that everybody works for, everybody wants to be a part of. It, it was kind of a waste. Now, it was kind of comical that, uh, you know, as we deal with a lot with the uh, Atlanta Braves here in Atlanta, I think this is the first time I've had a wrestling event that had a rain delay. Show. Yeah, they've done outdoor shows before, but fortunately it didn't rain. It did rain this time around on night one. What they have like a 30, 45 minute 45 rain minute delay? Rain yeah, delay. people slipping and sliding all over the place. That's the that's what happens. I mean, when you're doing an outdoor event in an open air stadium, which is kind of comical. And, and Adam and I, we've talked about it. We we pounded the drum. You could have come here to Atlanta. We we could have put you in Mercedes Benz Stadium, closed the dome. We you know let a limited amount of number of people in there. You can still get a great event at a dome stadium. You don't have to be in an open air stadium. It's just the risk you run. But this time it just didn't pay off. And even if you think about it, I mean we're watching baseball games in Colorado where they're getting snow. So that you've now taken what half of the country, and that's all you got. It, it definitely was a, a waste to miss out on some of that, but and a risk. I mean you could have injured some superstars out there as well, but. A two-night event, it was a bit much, it, it was a bit too long, but we got WrestleMania under our belt. Yeah, night one lasted in total three hours, 37 minutes, and 45 seconds, but only 43.6% of that. Somebody did the math on this, and, and good for them, I suppose, but only 43.6% of it 
was actual wrestling. But that that's what it is. It's, yeah. it's more entertainment. It's not just about what's going on inside of the uh, so-called squared circle. It's always going to go a lot deeper than that. It's the storytelling. It's the everything that's behind the scenes. Because it's also, you know, you, you preceded with uh, your WWE Hall of Fame inductees. And you had two this year because we didn't have one last year due to COVID. So you had the class of 2020, class of 2021 uh, that went in. So you get to induct them. You get to bring them out and let them come out there. And then you also just get the hosts that go with it right. to add a little bit more to it. Uh, I think they fell short with the host this year, though, in my opinion. Hulk Hogan comes out uh, to introduce uh, WrestleMania with Titus O'Neil, and they tried to cover it up, but uh, we know on social media nothing ever really gets covered up. He pretty much got booed out of the building. Yeah, he was not not very well liked. And, I mean, that started very early on when people saw it on social media. I, I think you could have done it where you had the year, what, two, three years ago, you had the New Day hosted. I think you could have done it where you could have asked The Rock or you could have asked Stone Cold. You have so much talent that's still in good graces with WWE. Hey, come back and you handle this for us. You're just forcing Hulk Hogan down our throat still. And it, it's sad because, you know, you, you hate to see your heroes grow old. But yeah, that's well, I never watching. Listen, I never got it. So uh, maybe I was ahead of the curve on the whole uh, Hulk Hogan <laughs> thing. But uh, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, Lashley retains the title. That's one of the big matches from night one. I guess they're going to go at it again based on what we saw Yay. on Raw. So I don't know how this story is going to grow. And I, I don't know how Bobby Lashley feels about it or or anybody else, as he's got a new uh, couple of guys around him. Does he not, Bobby Lashley? Yeah, I guess now? they're rebuilding the Hurt Business, where they, where uh, Retribution has now disbanded, and now uh, T-Bar and T-Bone, or one of the other guys. Yeah, that guy in the mask. Yeah, the two guys in the mask, one with the dreadlocks. Yeah. Uh, I guess they'll eventually join the Hurt Business. And the next thing that'll happen is this will become either a Hell in a Cell or a Steel Cage or a Texas Bull Whip. You now do a stipulation match. But there's that lack of creativity that we talk about where – you could have moved on to the next story now line. Old WrestleMania is the culmination of that story. You get ready for the next storyline, and now they're just moving on to the keeping on with the same thing. Yeah, it'll kind of be a hodgepodge of what happened on Monday Night Raw combined with WrestleMania 37, because obviously uh, the show after that's a, a very important show. Uh, Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair, Belair wins uh, the title, and on Sunday you've got the uh, other match, Asuka and Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley wins there, and we bring it up because Charlotte Flair comes back, and uh, I agree with a lot of people on social media. She said she was out for a while because she had COVID-19. Did you notice that she looked just a little bit different? Okay, so it wasn't just me. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I, it wasn't just I went me. to social media, and a lot of people agree. <laughs> I mean, she... Some plastic surgery maybe yeah. was done. Yeah, some things look there's, a little there's bit different. There's a different look going I mean, there, yeah. You, you can lose weight, but she lost it kind of in the cheekbone, the yeah. chin, the nose. Uh, it, look, just be honest I noticed about it right it. away. I Immediately. Said, Something's happening here. As soon as she came out, and, and that's the thing about social media. Like, we remember when Roman Reigns first returned. Uh, it was uh, Randy Orton that went after him about his teeth yeah, and just had him with the big dentures in it. Mm-hmm. We all saw it immediately, and, and we're happy she's back. She looks great. Yeah. I mean, Physically. She, she, you know, her promo that she cut, she's exactly right. She is the opportunity. But when you're trying to hide so much from it, and the fact that you did this at what seemed like a poorly timed portion, WrestleMania, that's something that we wanted Charlotte to be there for. Now, it's very cool because I am a Rare Ripley fan, so that she won, good for her. I hope that they just kind of move Oscar out of the way and let it be Rhea Ripley and Charlotte. It's a very cool story that's there. And then, like you said, Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. Uh, honestly, match of all WrestleMania for me. It was a really, what everybody said, yeah. really good match, really do- well done match. And it was, you know, you could kind of tell that they uh, told Bianca Belair that she was going to win 
once she went through the curtain because everybody thinks that you know she looked like she was going to well up from the uh, adulation of the crowd. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's when she found out just going out there, hey, you're going to win, and she was just trying to keep the emotion in of this is really going to yeah. happen. Could very well be uh, Bad Bunny and Priest. They beat Miz and Morrison, and Bad Bunny, I, I give the kid credit. I mean, he's, he's flying around, and I, I know uh, it's breaking kayfabe, but even – Miz talked about it. Uh, TMZ interviewed him. Yeah. He said that what what, what he did as as a, as a celebrity wrestler was better than anybody ever did in a role like that before. He gave him all the credit in the world. You, you got to believe Miz and Morrison worked a lot with him prior to this match, and even in the times leading up to this match, because there was there was chemistry there. And I I give Bad Bunny uh, more credit than what I initially gave him because he did well for himself, all things considered. I mean, when you're talking about a musician and where we've seen the likes of Lawrence Taylor and pro athletes get in the ring and it's kind of clunky and cumbersome, and we watched him do, you know, basically a flip-over power driver to Morrison, and I know Morrison played his part in it in timing, but the, but to do something, a move like that, to trust the guy to, hey, we're going to pull this off. Because Morrison, we always talk about it. It's the dance of it. Yeah. Could have snapped the guy's neck. But he trusted him enough to do this. Kudos to him for what they put on. And, you know, like, you know, we have it here on a show sheet. That was a 15-minute match. And I know you're talking it's a tag match, but you're still talking about a guy that went for nine minutes of that match. That was very impressive. That's, he did better than I expected. Yeah, as an amateur, that's an eternity in that professional wrestling ring. And so now you've got The Miz and his wife promoting their uh, new season of The Miz and The Misses, and they're in the ring on Miz TV, and uh, <laughs> Morrison's in there looking like a third wheel. So are, we, are we starting to see the seeds being planted of a breakup here? It's long overdue. I mean, Morrison... First of all, he, he's spending way too much time in the tanning bed. He, he's not even getting a tan. He's just out and out turning orange. He's changing weird colors. His hair. What the hell is going on with that? I, I, um, I'm not really sure. And maybe it's, I'm jealous because we have. Yeah, well, it makes two of us. <laughs> but, I mean, he, he's just, the tan's not working. He's been injured. So it's definitely one of those things where it might just be time to break him up. And look, the Miz, he doesn't need a sidekick. He can do all of this on his own. He's He, he said it. He's the only multiple-time grand champion triple crown champion, whatever, in WWE history. We know how talented he is. And you add his wife, who's a former WWE women's champion, they can put this on together by themselves and put on a great show and very well be entertained. Yeah, it certainly seems like it's headed in that direction. I don't know what direction. We ask this question seemingly every week on this podcast. What direction Braun Strowman is going in? He beats Shane McMahon, no surprise there. And then... On uh, Monday Night Raw, they've got the triple threat match between him and Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre, and uh, he gets eliminated there. So it's the same act every week. You're going to get these hands. Don't insult my intelligence. And then uh, he loses. Yeah, and then he doesn't get – no one gets hands. No. He gets hands laid to them. He gets screwed. (laughs) That's what happens. (laughs) I mean, I I get it. You keep the big guy around. It makes it look like a quality match because you beat the big guy. But it it is one of those things that here's a guy who he's young – He's in great shape. I mean, he's a former, what is it, world strongest man competitor. And you're you, just, I follow him on Instagram. Yeah, he's a great he, follow. He's got a six-pack. No one yes. should be that big and, and look like that. So, obviously, physically, he's got the tools. And he has the personality to go with it. I mean, you've let it out of him. You've let it, you've, you've let it be seen. And the fact that they're just using him as a jobber at this point in time, it, it's no wonder why, you know, you look at why uh, the big show, Paul White, is now over at AEW. Because I guess they, they told him no matter what you do, no matter how good of shape you get in, no matter how much you transform your body, Paul White I'm talking about, they, they told him that you're never going to be at the top of the ladder again. You're going to be one of those essentially 
enhancement talent. So yeah. that's why he left. Yep. When whenever we need you, whenever they whenever we get another big guy that we need another big guy in the ring. And that sucked because, you know, we heard stories uh where Paul White would talk about when he first got to WWE, then WWF how the Undertaker mentored him and Kane and they challenged him. You got to get better. You got to get in shape. Guys. You, you've got to become a master at your craft yep. because let's face it, in WCW he wasn't a master of his craft. It was just crap, and that wasn't his fault. I mean, that's just what the leadership with Kevin Sullivan, yeah. with Eric Bischoff, what those guys put in front of him. That, that's what they wanted, and you could. He had to develop to be much more. And I just imagine you put somebody like Braun Strowman to add that little extra piece to him. I mean, they saw it with Bobby Lashley. Yeah, where look. The guy's an amazing physique. He's an amazing talent. He's just not great on the mic. Here's MVP. Let's put them together. Look what we got. We got a champion, and we got a, got something that we can cash to the bank for a little while longer. Were uh, you surprised that Cesaro beat Seth Rollins? I, I know they're buddies, and I, maybe Seth wanted to do him a solid because if you talk about their relationship outside of the ring, they've gone through the injury rehab together. They're they're essentially best of friends. So, so obviously that's got to be the angle here. Yeah, look, I, I'm not. Uh, I think the ba- I think the locker room they're all pushing for Cesaro to get chances. I mean, we talk about you know guys, and even Vince McMahon said it on uh, his podcast on the podcast with Stone Cold some time ago. Cesaro has everything except it, that one it factor. And you're right. Everybody in the locker room seems to they love, love the guy. The guy. Yeah. Everyone bumps for him. Everyone pushes for him. The announcers go over the top for him, and he just can't even seem to get more of it. I've always felt like he would be a great Paul Heyman guy. Put him with Paul Heyman. You Not don't, a bad idea. You don't have to talk. You let him go out there. I mean, we saw what it did for Brock Lesnar. Look, it carried his career to a hall, what'll be a Hall of Fame career. He walked into the ring and ran in place. That's all he did while <laughs> did, Paul Heyman spoke. Did a suplex. <laughs> did a suplex. Walked back out. I think he'd be a great Paul Heyman guy. So good for Seth to do a solid for him. I think it was a great match. I think it was fun to watch. Because, I mean, what else does Seth Rollins have to prove? What else is left for him? To I mean, do? his reputation is solid, so yeah. he can put over a guy like this and come back and and do something else. I, I suppose you're right about that. Omas and AJ Styles beat the New Day. I know that uh, Kevin Nash. You brought him up earlier. He he was one of the guys along with Scott Hall that did a lot of training behind the scenes with Omas, a former college basketball player. We'll see where this leads. Now. I hope it turns into something good because I think they seem to love the kid. I mean, they said his work ethic over-the-top, willing to listen and do whatever those guys, the veterans, were instructing him to do during their time down there. And even if you follow him, I follow him on Instagram. Humble guy. He always talks about how he, you know, basketball was his first love. Wrestling is a love of his, and he wants to learn. He wants to get better. And let's just face it, wrestling's fun when you got the big guy. Like, don't get me wrong. The AJ Styles are nice. The Seth Rollins are nice. You got to find him a dance partner. Yeah. That's the key. When you get that big guy that, like we said, like a Paul White, like an Undertaker, like a Kane. And it's smart. They're they're starting him with AJ Styles. So he doesn't really have to do all that much in the tag team realm. And then you, you learn as you go along. It was even better the fact that they didn't make him talk much. I mean, you, if you. Nobody said, you you speak English? What did you ever say? You never asked. It's a great back and forth between he and AJ Styles. But it goes back to like even Goldberg. I remember uh, you watched the behind the behind the match where Kevin Sullivan said Goldberg wasn't good on the mic. He said, you're never going to talk. He said, they're going to come up to you and ask you questions. You just give them a mean look and you walk to the back. Just stop headbutting lockers, which is a really stupid thing. Smashing to do. car windows with yeah. your bare hands. The uh, second night of uh, WrestleMania lasted three hours and 18 minutes. About 41.5% of it was uh, wrestling and 
It was a great match, and they're doing everything they can to put Roman Reigns over. But uh, Reigns and Brian and Edge, he pins them both, Roman Reigns, to retain his title. How much more of Roman Reigns are they going to shove down our throat? Uh, well, now he's a heel, and, and he pinned them both. So, obviously, a lot more seems to be coming. I got a prediction, and, and I, I was texting a buddy of mine about this. The next feat for Roman Reigns, he's going to flip over the wrestling ring on top of his opponent and climb on top of the upside-down ring and pin him there. Yeah. I honestly expected this to be just... Uh, Brian was the lamb to slaughter. Either Edge or, or Roman was going to pin him, so that way they can continue their feud a little bit long, and it's just, you didn't beat me, you didn't beat me, you beat this guy. But maybe they were listening to our podcast. It's incredible, though, when you think about in real life where these guys were. Roman Reigns battling leukemia, Daniel Bryan, uh, the neck injury that we all thought ended his career, same deal with Edge, and here they all are, headlining the WrestleMania. Yeah. It's a, an amazing thing to see, and it was a great match. It was definitely a fun match. I hope, I mean, you watch the video. I, I hope that uh, Edge was kind of continuing to sell a little bit more because he literally had to be helped out of the ring. And it's hard to watch that when he looked like he could barely walk. Yeah, it's it's time to say, I did everything. I came back. I transformed my body. I'm done. <laughs> there, there's literally, I'm already a Hall of Famer. There's literally nothing left for me to I'm do. I'm done. I, I have a wife and kid at home. I'm going to go spend time with my, and the same for Daniel Bryant. I mean, I think he's an amazing talent. He done some. He's done some great things. You have a wife and kid at home. Let's hang it up. I, I don't want to see anybody really get hurt. That's not fun to watch. Explain to me why and how and what the thinking was. The ending of the Fiend, Bray Wyatt, and Randy Orton. Why can this guy never get a break in the eyes of Vince McMahon, Bray Wyatt? Why? All the black goop starts coming down the face of Alexa Bliss. Bray Wyatt, I'm sorry, The Fiend, the Fiend. is distracted, and he loses to Randy Orton. I, and, I, I don't get it. And I guess now Bray Wyatt is now going to become, going to Monday Night Raw following this, I guess he's going to become a preacher now? I, I don't know. He went around in the fun house, and he's you know, kind of laying hands on them and baptizing the, the Muppets around. You're talking about when you say The Fiend, Randy Orton, Alexa Bliss. Three individuals that can easily put on quality programs. They've proven it. I mean, Randy Orton, future Hall of Famer. The Fiend, uh, they've said he's one of the most creative guys in all of wrestling right now. The things he comes up with and the way he's reinvented himself. And Alexa Bliss, she could easily be a part of any one of these championship bouts for the women. And you're just watching... Three individuals that you're just kind of like, okay. What, what, yeah, but what does she do now? How does she cross back over? I have no clue. Because That's, she says that she is that person now. She doesn't need she doesn't help need anymore. That was her promo that she cut last night. And as you said, I, I don't know what Bray Wyatt was doing in the funhouse. That was very disappointing and confusing, all wrapped into one. And is it going in the direction of Alexa Bliss, the promo she cut? Is the next match The Fiend versus Alexa Bliss? I don't know where this goes. It's very, very confusing in terms of what they're going on, what's going on there. And I'm intrigued on where the hell they get this much black goop from. Like, are they buying tar? Between the black goop that they had and the green goop that Shane McMahon dropped on Braun Strowman, there must be buckets of goop in the back rooms of WWE. Yeah, I'm not really sure how those contacts stay in the eyes of Alexa Bliss either. Those things got to hurt. Oh, goodness. I mean, I'm uncomfortable looking at them. Let alone wearing them. And just running down into her eyes. And Now, look, credit to them. They spared no expense on props. I mean, they you went and found a 20-foot-tall jack-in-the-box, and you, you wheel it up. <laughs> didn't pop out. <laughs> I mean, you spared no expense on props. Now, it, it is funny, and I guess they realized they made the mistake on the uh, the burned fiend. 
the, the toxic Avenger. Yeah. Because he walks out and now he's back to normal. Well, just like Randy Orton, all of a sudden, you know, in uh, you know four days, the face healed. It's Rubbing like, alcohol. They have amazing balm in the WWE backstage, apparently. But no, I, I, I guess that Vince McMahon's theory, and you've listened to many a podcast, Bruce Pritchard, among others, have said about him, they'll never remember. Just move forward. Yeah, that's exactly right. Be like a wrestling heel. Act like it never happened. And just, just keep just going. Keep, yeah. Like a freight train, like a tank. Keep moving forward. No one saw that. Move on. Well, Riddle is no longer a champ. He loses to Sheamus, and he comes out, and he uh, he challenges Bobby Lashley to begin Monday Night Raw. He gets put in the hurt lock, and uh, he's eliminated. So I got to think they're going to flip him. He's got to turn heel, does he not? Because now he's just jobbing to everybody. Yeah, he, this is kind of useless with him. And then here's a guy that... I think he just rubbed so many people wrong in the back in the locker room. I mean, he went after Goldberg, he went after Orton, he went after Nash, Kevin Nash, and you're talking about Kevin Nash is one of those guys that people say in the back room, you know, yeah, he's not one of those guys that you really want to fight. If, if he's threatened at all, he's going to throw you a slap. Exactly, that, that's his first warning. He's not going to say I'm warning you. He's just going to throw you an open hand slap. And, and he's not doing it on social media. He's not doing it on Twitter. He's going to show up and he's going to tell you how he feels about it. And I think this is a guy that he might actually just be the lamb to slaughter. I mean, he went after Brock Lesnar. He's went after some of the biggest names. And I guess you do it to try and make a name for himself. But in the same vein, if it comes across where you're just being pompous, then it goes terribly wrong and things don't work out the way that you want. Going back to uh, Charlotte Flair, looking fantastic, cutting an outstanding promo, looking a little bit different. Uh, Some work allegedly could have been done during her uh, time away, but there's the good promos and the good gimmicks, dare I say the great ones, obviously, as well. There's always a kernel of honesty and truth to what they're saying, and it goes back to what you said. A lot of people were being critical of Charlotte Flair, saying she's given all these opportunities. Well, now she cuts the promo finally addressing that. I am the opportunity. I don't have to apologize for anything. She's exactly right. She is the opportunity. I mean, when it all started with the women's revolution and we had you know, kind of the back and forth between her and Sasha Banks, High in sight, you kind of understand it now because now you understand, you know what? Those two, they someone recognized, whether it be Triple H or Vince, they recognized that those two were going to be the future of the women's division. And I think you kind of needed them to have that to help cement who they are right now because Sasha Banks, for, you know, whether she held on to it for as long, uh, whether a day or two days or whatever, and she hasn't won a WrestleMania yet, but she's never failed to deliver on a match. And she's someone that. When you know she's going to be in a match, you know it's a good match. Charlotte Flair, the same thing. She's that person that you know the promos are going to be solid. You're not going to see these clunky, cumbersome matches where the holds look weird. You're getting a crisp, clean, entertaining match from her with lots of trash talking, and she's right. She is the opportunity, and you know I think it makes it even a little bit better if someone saw the high inside of who her father is. That adds to Ric Flair when he'd cut those promos. I yeah. mean, Ric Flair, to me, was one of the first wrestlers to break kayfabe when he showed up at WWF with the WCW World Championship. It's funny you say that about Ric Flair because I watched something a couple of nights ago, years ago, 89, going way back when he went from a heel champion to a face. He needed some time off, <laughs> and Terry Funk attacks him after he beats Rick Steamboat. The way he shifted the script and flipped it, he was very calm at that point, talking about how he felt. He gives Jim Ross an interview inside of his house. He's got like a Lakers warm-up on, like he's the everyman. It's just brilliant. It's small stuff that you don't realize when you're young, but you look back and say, this is just brilliant. This is art. It's one of those things when you hear wrestlers talk about, and even you know pro athletes, the psychology of it. I mean, people talk about Muhammad Ali. 
and how just, you know, float like a butterfly thing. He beat you psycho- psychologically. Ric Flair did this thing with the psychology of it all to watch him now. And as a kid, you didn't notice it. But now the the cadence and when they talk, just mm-hmm. like you said, where it's not the three-piece suit. It's not the alligator shoes. It's very now- calm, very collected, not screaming, just yeah. saying, you know, I'm injured. I've got numbness down my left arm, so I don't know if I'm going to come back and wrestle again. Just as you said, you've got the fans at that point in the palm of your hand because you know how to play them. It's him and Shawn Michaels are two. And, I mean, obviously they both were, you know, the tops of each company at one point in time. Those two individuals are the two individuals that when you look at someone that can go from heel to face in a way that, you know, it's a manner that you have to look at it and say, man, if you are teaching a wrestling class 101, Go back and watch their old vignettes. Go out back and watch their old promos from when Shawn Michaels was a part of DX and starting DX to where he got married and he kind of changed his life a little bit more. And you saw just the mannerisms change of him. It's that psychology. And Charlotte Flair, she showed that where Mm -hmm. when she was feuding with uh, Ric Flair because he was allegedly, we all thought he got a, got, what's her name, pregnant. You saw her kind of dial it back a little bit. But now she's back to that heel. And here she comes out in what looks like a disco ball sequence suit. And mm-hmm. the mannerisms and what she does in the ring, that psychology of it is brilliant. So let's walk through uh, this week in wrestling history as we uh, close the door on the present and look to the past. Because everybody loves when we talk about wrestling history. Everybody loves it. If you go through, I could just, for hours, I can go down that rabbit hole on YouTube. I just talked about watching stuff from 89. Then you watch... All of a sudden, the the four horsemen are faces. Then all of a sudden, Sting joins the horsemen. Then all of a sudden, they turn heel back on him. It's just just brilliant stuff. It's wonderful work to watch because, I mean, when you see, you start going through, and particularly if you just, like, like, I like to go with factions, whether it be, like you said, the horsemen, whether you talk about the fabulous Freebirds, just to go through those factions and watch going down those trails of the work that they put together. And particularly those groups that have long-standing things mm-hmm. to go like that. Even someone just as simple as Mr. Fuji, to watch him go from the wrestler to the manager and going with Yokozuna and Demolition, it was one of those things that was masterful to watch him do. And you're just talking about a guy that he looked very unassuming. He didn't look like he was a threat to anyone. But when Mr. Fuji came out there and he came out with his cane and his boiler, boiler hat on, mm-hmm. it's just wonderful to sit and From watch. Hawaii. <laughs> was Mr. Fuji. I don't want to ruin it for anybody. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But that's, listen, you play it up. Follow the podcast park on social media for live updates as new episodes hit and behind-the-scenes looks at all our shows. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Podcast Park. So this week in wrestling history, let's go uh, 31 years ago this week. All Japan Pro Wrestling and the WWF I don't know how many of these things will ever happen again. They co-present this U.S.-Japan Wrestling Summit in the Tokyo Dome in Japan. Over 53,000, dare I say even almost 54,000 attend this event. Tito Santana and Jimmy Snuka wrestle. They defeat Masafuki, I believe, mm-hmm. and Kenta Kobashi. i got to be careful how I say that, but 54,000 are going crazy in Japan. And again, if you want to go down the rabbit hole, we bring this up for a reason, this particular event. Go down that rabbit hole and see how rabid, if you will, the Japanese fans are. I mean, they run up to those wrestlers and touch them and try to grab them and run away. It's almost like uh, like running with the Bulls in Pamplona. That's what they try to do to some of these. They used to do it with Bruiser Brody all the time and Stan Hansen. They'd try to grab him, and then as he would go after them, they'd run out of the way. And that's where it got to a point where they had to bring security to almost escort him to the ring, and it was no... 
you know, what we would see like at WrestleMania, the slow walk, methodical walk to the ring. No, it's a scurry. It's a on the hustle, get to the ring. And, and when you're talking about guys, and this is partially what helped make WWF then the global icon that it became because things like this of watching them go over to Japan and do this uh, uh, joint venture with Japan All Pro Wrestling. And to see a match like this where you're talking about, I mean, Jimmy Snooker who showed up over there with no shoes on and leopard print tights. Can you imagine what the partying was like behind oh the scenes? God. What was going on? You want stories. Though, never mind who won these matches. <laughs> Those are the stories I want. Because the beauty of that is Jake Roberts hanging out in Japan with a language time. barrier. I mean, what is happening there? With the language barrier, now you're trying to get, you know, what, what is it, Saki? And God knows whatever else yeah, would have taken place over Saki there. Saki <laughs> if you're Jake Roberts. It is amazing that we haven't had international incidents take place with some of the things that might have gone on over there. Some of the other matches uh, in this event, the Ultimate Warrior beats Ted DiBiase. The Ultimate Warrior, again, much like Hulk Hogan, never understood it, never got it. And I guess behind the scenes, uh, I wasn't alone when it came to no. the Ultimate Warrior. You don't want to speak ill of the dead, but... The guy wasn't a good guy, and the guy got really strange and really, really strange as the years went by. It, it the best thing about the Ultimate Warrior was the run into the ring. That he was blow it. up. He was out of breath, and he couldn't do much after. And he wouldn't. He wasn't going to sell your move. There's a there's a match where he took on Triple H when he first got started. Triple H puts the pedigree on him. Most times the no sell is kind of quick. No, he hops right back up. Still has his jacket on, and it almost looked like Triple H was even out of the point of. All right, you're supposed to know sell that a little bit better. Like, at least let me pin you or something. No, he hops right back up, starts dancing around, and he hit his normal three moves. Gorilla press, <laughs> splash, pin. That's it. That was the ultimate warrior, but uh, he does defeat the uh, million-dollar man to retain the WWF championship. Andre the Giant and Giant Baba beat Demolition, Axe and Smash. Let's just say Axe and Smash, from what I understand, they like to work very snug. Yes. They didn't try to hurt you, but uh, they would they would lay in those punches from time to time. But you got to believe, Giant Baba was the same way. I mean, his gigantic hands. Yeah. And there's stories that talk about, if you delivered a move to him wrong, oh, he's going to let you know immediately. Mm -hmm. And the way it was always described, people would say, well, Giant Baba, when he hits you, go ahead and count to 25 real quick. <laughs> Just make sure the numbers in your head still add up to where they should go because you might skip a couple of numbers. And then Andre the Giant, obviously, we know how massive he was. Can you imagine the amount of shoes that it – I mean, what's the average shoe size in that ring? Yeah, I, I can't even say. And I, I, I'd i hate to mention the fact that in Japan, Andre the Giant, you know, when he had to – as we all do, have to use the restroom, what he had to do. <laughs> Let's just say many probably a cleaning service and maid was surprised by what was in the bathtub. Oh, my goodness. Because you couldn't fit on, uh, well, what you normally would have to use. Here's the better question. If you're Andre the Giant. What was the plane ride like for him? Um, from what I understand, at times, there just had to be, in the back of the plane, a tub. And they'd pull the curtain, and the tub would be used. Because, <laughs> I mean, he's twice my size. Yeah, so I, you know, can't be a pleasant sight. No, or smell. <laughs> for the flight attendants especially. Imagine if you're a guy in the back of the plane, you're just not some business traveler. All of a sudden, that happens. I'm saying crash the plane at that point. <laughs> Just open the door. Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I can't. I'm I, opening the door. At this point, I don't care. 28 years ago, WCW makes its debut in New York City at the Paramount Theater inside of Madison Square Garden. Johnny B. Bad, perhaps one of the most insulting characters of all time, leads off this card and beats Tex Slazinger. Johnny B. Bad, a Jewish kid from New York playing a Little Richard character. <laughs> Just just think about that. Mark Merrow playing Little Richard 
where he had to go and get himself tanned yep. and bronzed so he looked more, let's just call it what it is. He played blackface. Yes, he did. Let's just call it exactly what yes, this is. he I'm did. Try, I can't sugarcoat no, this. No, nor should you. He played blackface. And I even remember as a kid looking back thinking, wait a minute, something's not right here. <laughs> well, you were correct. And you were very instinctive. I was always amazed that Little Richard didn't sue. Yeah. I, I know that, you know, they say, oh, it's nothing like it. It's no, it's no facsimile. It's nothing like that. I'm amazed Little Richard just didn't sue because he stole the whole gimmick. He would talk like him. He got his hair styled like him. And when you later found out, you're like, wait a minute. He spends that much time tanning and bronzing so he can look black? Holy hell, someone's really just messed up in the head. That was a, a Dusty Rhodes idea. Van Hammer in this event defeats Vinny Vegas, better known as Kevin Nash. Van well, Hammer told people when they signed him, allegedly, I'm here to save the company. That didn't really go over all that well with the people in the locker room. Can I you mean, imagine somebody coming in here and saying that I'm here to save the company? We work in radio. You've heard that once yeah. before in your oh, life. Let's not pretend. Oh, I have. <laughs> You've been doing this longer than I I've, have. I've, I've done and seen just about everything. <laughs> You've yeah, heard I'm, that before. I'm a wily old veteran, John. <laughs> and Vinny Vegas, uh, Kevin Nash, the, the, who says you can't reinvent yourself over and over and over again until you finally get it right yeah. as Kevin Nash, and then you finally, for the right amount of money, you drop all of that, and you go start the NWO. But, I mean, talk about the balls it took to just walk into then WCW and just say, here, I'm here to save the company. And for the talent that was there, the history that was there, the guys who had helped develop that ter- territory, it was amazing that he said that. And, oh, let's not overlook. You, you spoke of it at the beginning. WCW makes its debut in New York City because that was the thing WCW didn't do. Mm-mm. They didn't go to New York. The North Territory, that was WWF. That was Vince's territory. That's why it's just so historic. I mean, yeah. and what a card this was. I mean, we didn't know there were going to be some of these guys – as big as they were eventually, but the Hollywood Blonde, Steve Austin and Brian Pillman, defeat Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Two Cold Scorpio. I have to, to laugh. the tag team championships. I have to laugh at that one because when you say the Hollywood Blondes, and if you've heard Steve, if you can imagine Stone Cold Steve Austin's voice in your head, there's nothing there that sounds like a guy from Hollywood. No, this sounds like a guy who's from Tennessee, Southern Alabama. The Texas rattlesnake, which we later found out. It was out. clear that the blonde hair was was leaving yeah. his head rather quickly at the time, and now he doesn't have any and hair. And so it is heavily. It's funny for a number of different reasons. And Brian Pillman, the native of what Cincinnati mm-hmm. in the Ohio area, so it's just kind of like, all right, I, I see your logic that you went on here. But that was a just a phenomenal team. Those two working together, what they put together, and then Marcus Alexander Bagwell, a very young up and coming talent at this point in time. Uh, he was supposed to be the blue chip. He was supposed to be the next big thing of WCW. I mean, when he came out, everyone, they tried to push him to the moon and put him with all and the I right like people. Mark. I've gotten to know him over the years. He, he, I've never seen the crazy, really crazy side of him, but, but people say he can be pretty oh, yeah. difficult. And I've heard it. They said his ego had kind of, and that might have been part of the problem, was pushing him to that point because they put him with all the right people to set him up to be successful. And wrestling with his mom. Boy, who thought that was a good idea? I mean, really, who thought that was a good idea? Was it? I've pay- never asked him about that. One of these days, I will. Was it a payday? Like, was it just you know what to stay? To and, keep weren't going? they at one point tag team champions? Yes. So Judy Bagwell, his mother, with Buff Bagwell, it, it was just. I wonder, does he still have the top hat? It was. He, oh yeah, he still does. <laughs> Follow him on Instagram. He puts them on every now and then. Rick oh, Rude God. defeats Cactus Jack in this event, and again. 
Cactus Jack, a, a character that Vince McMahon didn't initially want. They had to invent the Mankind character, and the rest, as they say, is history. Rick Rude, I guess he was planning a comeback when yes. he passed away. Rick Rude was one of those talents Legitimate that— Legitimate tough guy. Yes. First of all, any man that is willing to go and get a woman's face airbrushed onto her tights, and the character that he had, and everyone tried to rip it off, Val Venus, everyone, Rick Rude carried that— Air of arrogance. I think I even sent you a picture once upon a time where it was, was it Rick Rude and, and uh, Ming holding a gun? <laughs> it's like, here's a picture. Two guys who don't need <laughs> who a gun. Who don't need the gun, but they have one. You could have five guns and I'm still running away from <laughs> I mean, those two. And, and it was just bizarre. I, I remember finding the picture and I'm just like, yeah, these, why? For what? <laughs> Everyone's afraid of you. Why? Because they can. That's why. <laughs> Dustin Rhodes beats Paul Orndorff by uh, DQ to retain his WCW U.S. title well before the days of gold dust. He was never Some of those early vignettes with gold dust. I'm sorry. They made me laugh. The jump cuts. Like he, he said something they didn't want him to say. The real bad edits. I, I thought it was brilliant. And somehow he was able to get his wife a job. He got yeah. Marlena a job. Where was, all she, Terry was a makeup artist at CNN. My brother was working that's right. at CNN. I remember you told me, yeah. She was Alexandra York back in the old days at WCW when they started dating and got married. But my brother said, that's. That's Terry. She does makeup at CNN. He saw her on TV. But, yeah, somehow, some way, she made her way into uh, wrestling. But think, what, what that was the gig. She walked down to the ring holding a cigar. She sat in a director's chair, mm-hmm. and she did that for three years and got a check for it. I'm figuring out how, where did I go wrong with my life choices that I can't get to? And that's not to disrespect what she's done. Right. She was a beautiful, she's a beautiful woman, and but it was just amazing to watch that of, how do I get that payday? Timing, John, is everything. Barry Windham also here defeats Ricky Steamboat to retain the NWA World Heavyweight title. They say if Barry Windham, as great as he was, decided to actually work out and take care of himself, he could have been even greater. The guy never, ever, ever, ever worked out. Whatever it was, it was all natural, his ability to produce. The son of a wrestler, Blackjack Mulligan, Barry Windham in the ring. It was all natural talent. And he was no slouch. He was no slouch in terms of his size, his stature. He's massive. Yeah, I mean, the guy was a – and I don't mean like he was a big, lumbering – he looked like a solid middle linebacker in the NFL. And just what he could do and move in the ring, if you just imagine – I mean, it's the proverbial, if you put your mind to it, what he could have done – because that's what they looked for. They he didn't have the vis, the physique of a six pack and the muscles. Right. He could have done so much more. He could have gone so much further. Also, a Sting defeats Van Vader by disqualification in the World Heavyweight Championship match. There, the final match, as WCW made its debut 28 years ago this week inside of Madison Square Garden. Vader said Sting was his favorite opponent. Those Over two put on great matches. Yeah. He said he loved working with them. They put on amazing matches, and the fact that Van Vader, I mean. Not a Hall of Famer. The amazing I that think he, he will be. Unfortunately, now it's going to be after he passed away. How heartbreaking is it? And particularly, I, I remember when I saw the story on TMZ, and basically, doctor told him he got two years left to live. And here's a guy that you heard the stories. I mean, where he's in a match, his eye pops out, and they hear him early speak, in the match, yeah, and finishes. Stan Hansen, yep, you got to keep going. What keeps are you going. To do? But then to hear what he did, I mean, just mentoring and to hear him speak, you look at this guy and you think. No, he, this guy's a barroom brawler. He was a brilliant man. He he always had something motivational to say. I've listened to a lot of his speeches, and, and I, I look forward to the day that they, they do induct him, and I hope they welcome Sting back to do it and let Sting do it and induct yeah, him in. That makes sense. 27 years ago this week in St. Paul, Minnesota, Jesse Ventura awarded nearly $810,000 in videotape and merchandising royalties 
after a Minnesota state court found the WWF at the time liable for fraud and misappropriation of publicity rights. He was in all these videos and what have you and didn't get paid, sued for it, and got paid, and that's why you'll never see him in the WWE Hall of Fame. It's as if, poof, he never existed. So you mean the governor of Minnesota, the governor of There's Mars, there's outer space, and then there's where Jesse Ventura's from. If you've listened to some of the things he has said over the years, I don't know what's going on with him. It didn't take, you didn't have to go that far back for that. I mean, if you watch him, there were some people that you're like, okay, he's in character. And then there's some people, that's him. That's naturally who he is. Even when, uh, what was he in Predator? And you talk, and they did the behind the scenes of it on how he would just be off by himself. That's what it was, yeah. He was never with the guys. And you're talking, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You're talking guys, they said they all got along. They was also Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers. They said it was a very great atmosphere. And they said you'd look over and he'd be off by himself and he'd just be doing his thing. And they said it wasn't a stretch for him to play the character who he was. If you really gave him a gun and those things, that's the role he would play. Very strange bird. 24 years ago this week, ECW makes its pay-per-view debut barely legal from the ECW arena. Is that the bingo hall that Bruce Pritchett yes. calls it? Over uh, 1,100, almost 1,200 were in attendance. I-74, about 70,000 homes watching on pay-per-view. It almost didn't happen. Six months earlier, I don't know how many, how many people have seen the Dark Side of the Ring, where they talked to various uh, wrestlers. New Jack is one that is featured. But uh, it almost didn't happen, this pay-per-view, because six months prior to it is when the uh, mass transit incident happened, when the uh, 16-year-old or 17, whatever he was, Eric Kulis, who lied to everybody, said he was trained by Killer Kowalski, he was 19, none of it was true, came in and wrestled New Jack. And New Jack, to say New Jack sliced and diced him would be a massive understatement. I, he's a massive guy. Well, he's no longer with us. He was a massive guy, Eric Kulis, But the way the blood is literally squirting out of his head, I, I can't watch this video. New Jack walked into that ring with every intention of hurting this kid. And he, no one knew he was a kid, to be fair. I don't want to make New Jack out to be like he's some sort of monster. Well, they didn't know he was underage. Yes. They didn't know that. But New Jack went out there because he didn't like his arrogance. He didn't like the way he came. We talked about Van Hammer talking about, I'm here to save the company. Well, I guess he came in, Eric Kulis, uh, Mass Transit, was suggesting some moves. How about if I do this? That's right. He I wanted to call that. the match. Yeah. yeah and, and you don't do that. And not and New Jack Especially went, with a guy like New Jack who's looking liberties. for a reason to take you apart. He took liberty, and there, even if you go uh, the dark side of the match where he talks about, you know, there's a groove, Eric Coolis, when he was still with us, the groove that was in his skull that you could feel. It's like, yeah, he walked into that match with evil intentions, and unfortunately it did lead to him having some legal problems later. The pay-per-view does uh, go on. J.T. Smith and Chris Chetty, I believe, beat the FBI. I bring this up because little Guido and Tommy Rich, yes, that. <laughs> Tommy Wildfire Rich were members of the FBI, the full-blooded Italians. Italians. He was from northern, or I'm sorry, southern Italy, <laughs> not northern Italy. Normally, blondes are from northern <laughs> Italy, but no, he was. He dyed his hair, and because he's from Tennessee, they they yeah, promoted him as being from southern Italy. I mean, look, pro wrestling they never they never wanted to be racist towards anyone. <laughs> But uh, Tommy Rich was on this card. Taz and Sabu wrestle, and Taz wins by submission. That's another guy I never got, Taz. Never could figure it out. I couldn't understand, and even now it just shows, I mean, and I get it. We all, as we grow older, we stop working out as much. But We all put some weight on, most of us. Taz kind of became a basketball. Yes. He, he looks like an Oompa Loompa. I mean, he went on, from being a, AEW, yeah. He went from being a suplex machine where he came out and he just He, he looks like an M&M. That's yeah, what he that's looks exactly like. what he looks yeah. like. He you know, he came out and he looked like he could, you know, he looked like a guy that 
he worked out in the gym, might have been like a high school wrestler, and just now it's just kind of like, all right, well, he's beach ball around. He he's, literally is round. He's something. Uh, we brought up Terry Funk earlier. He's on this card. He defeats the Sandman and Stevie Richards in a three-way dance to earn an uh, ECW World Heavyweight Championship match. And then on the same pay-per-view, he defeats Raven to win the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Terry Funk being the hardcore uh, legend that he is. That's and, all I could say. And, and this is a guy that went in wrestling way past his prime. And kept saying he was going to retire and... Never really did. And you never want to get into a man's pocket, but, I mean, this guy went way – I remember what was he came out of his Chainsaw Charlie in WWF, and it was just kind of, yeah, stop. It, it was a ripoff of a, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre where he just came out in overalls, and he just went way past his that prime. promo that's uh, – obviously it was a work, but the promo where uh, Hannibal starts smacking him and then he hits Hannibal <sighs> over the head with the picture, the frame shatters, I mean – He's got to be 70-something years old when that's going on. And they said it. He's on blood thinners at the time. So he said, when you smack me, I'm going to bleed because I'm on these blood thinners. He's still doing that. And he says, smack me. I mean, lay him in. And he did. And Hannibal laid him in. He, I don't know if you just couldn't get away from it. It, it. Even when you look at just this portion of it, I mean, you look at Sandman. I think he runs a bar now. Stevie Richards lives here in Atlanta. But Terry Funk was just that guy that it was just kind of like, you went one too many times and you might want to. Some, at some point in time, family has to step in. You would think. But guess not. Um, also, six years ago this week in a uh, SmackDown taping in London, Daniel Bryan and John Cena defeat Cesaro and Tyson Kidd. They say at the time, uh, concussion is what Daniel Bryan suffers. That's it for him. He's going to retire at 34. We know that didn't happen. They had the great ceremony, the great send-off that he had on the WWE Network. But then he does come back, and he just wrestled in WrestleMania. I think now... That's that. Yeah, now you kind of hang it up. I Much mean, like Edge, I proved my point. I came back. I'm now going to call it quits on my own terms and but, raise my family. Have two beautiful young children, a beautiful wife. Uh, that's it for me. But what, And I, I still don't understand. I still ask the question because, I mean, neither one of these guys had anything to prove. Edge already a Hall of Famer. Daniel Bryant. And the story of Daniel Bryant, I mean, where, what was it, the Nexus started about? He got fired, mm-hmm. came back. They bought him back because everybody liked him. They loved the work that he did. He's won multiple champions. He didn't need this. He didn't need to do it. And, you know, yeah, you got to see another side of him, but then it's where does it go? The story's not going to continue on. You put together a quick story to make sure you have Roman Reigns in it, but it's not going any further. And I hope I hope he does produce and go behind the scenes. I think he could put together and help mentor some, some young up-and-coming talent. And finally, happy 80th birthday to the hit king, Pete Rose. Also a celebrity member of the WWE Hall of Fame, appeared at WrestleMania's 14, 15, and 2000 in a multi-year angle with Kane. I'll never forget when he came on the show. I said, you know, I have a hard time believing anything you say because at the time he was still saying he wasn't gambling and never did gamble on baseball. I said, when you showed up in a chicken suit and got tombstone by Kane, I said, why would you think that was okay to do that? You're Pete Rose. He said, well, it was a part of the storyline. I was gonna, He started, like, going into kayfabe storyline. I said, you're Pete Rose. That would be like Joe DiMaggio doing that. What are you doing? But he needed the money, apparently. And I guess and Jim Ross's call, that's Pete Rose, just over and over again screaming, that's Pete Rose. And I guess, evidently, if you go out to Las Vegas, he sets up a table, and I've he will it. sign anything. I've seen it. And there's a, I've seen the picture. Pete Rose, WWE Hall of Famer. Not Major League Baseball Hall of Famer. And it's just not like, 
why would you put that out there? I've like, personally seen it, yep. And it's sad because it's one of those things of like, yes, I'd love an autographed Pete Rose baseball. I don't need WWE Hall of Fame or all the – Pete Rose. And you're just like you're saying. You're Pete Rose. I mean, you think about it. He's a Cincinnati kid. He did all of these things in Cincinnati. Hometown kid. What a great story it should have been. Unfortunately, it's not. And the fact that it just – it almost seems tarnished, even so much so, and this is not to disparage to him, where Mike Tyson saying – He's not even in his own Hall of Fame. Right. Why do I want to be in the WWE Hall of Fame? And he's right. It's kind of, yeah, it's a little bit tainted there of what you did, the legacy that is you, that you put it in there. And then the chicken costume is kind of the proverbial cherry on top on this Sunday. Yeah, that it doesn't is help, John. It doesn't help. Speaking of Mike Tyson, before we get out of here, Mike Tyson makes an appearance on AEW. Is that a one-off, or is he going to be on a few times? Uh, actually, think? he will be on. As we're taping this, it's Wednesday. He is supposed to be a special guest enforcer that will be there uh, helping Team Jericho, Chris Jericho as he will go up against uh, MJF. Uh, so he will be a special guest enforcer as a part of that. As Also, talking as we're on Wednesday night, uh, the Wednesday, I guess AEW has won the Wednesday Night Wars, where now WWE NXT has now had to move to Tuesday night. Yep. Because basically since AEW has come into existence, as far as I can remember, they've only won one night, and they basically had to do something that resembled a pay-per-view to put that together, uh, Halloween Havoc. Other than that, they haven't been able to compete against them. So. I, my problem now, or the concern, I should say, not a problem that I have with AEW, their matches are so great. How do you top it week to week? I mean, what they did two weeks ago, those matches with everybody going through tables, I mean, how do you top that? What do you do? You keep allowing yourself, and this just shows the creativity that the wrestlers have to go with it, the creativity of understanding how the business goes, because that's the whole thing. This is a wrestling company ran by wrestlers. Right. So they don't. They have writers, they have behind the scenes, but now they're looking for that little bit extra because, I mean, you, you keep seeing, if you watch it on uh, TNT, they keep showing when Cody Rhodes was here in Atlanta and he went off the top of the steel cage and everybody just, that was the pop spot. But then it keeps going and they keep adding more and they keep adding more and they keep adding more surprises that go with it where their wrestlers, a Miro, where even, you know, we talk about it, the, the Hall of Famers, the legends that we see that they're just doing just enough that we respect it so it's not weird, it's not all shocking. It's just very cool to watch the legends be there and support these guys. Well, it's working out for them. The numbers do uh, speak for themselves. We'll talk more about what Mike Tyson is going to do this week next week when another edition of The Finishing Move does come your way. Please like and subscribe and download or Big John will come to your office and give you one of those Cesaro airplane spins. Would that be fun? It'll knock everything off your cubicle and everybody else's cubicle. And No one wants that. Nobody needs that. So just do what we asked you to do and listen to The Finishing Move. Wrestling's fake. Wrestling's not fake! The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. 
like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Is there chaos in your closet? Look, Blouse, you've got some nerve hanging there like that. I can't help it. I'm jammed in here next to this suit. Hey, I'm a three-piece, all right, which means I need a little more room. You've got a lot of attitude for a linen suit. I'm a polyester blend, sweetheart, and there needs to be room for men's clothes, too. Hi, I'm Christina, and in Artisan Custom Closets, we help families organize and simplify their closets with customized storage solutions. See what's possible for your home at artisancustomcloset.com and then call us for a free in-home consultation. 